It's a great morning to worship our God and to study his word together. Thankful that all of you are here to do that with us this morning. I'm excited and grateful for the opportunity to share God's word with you this morning as well. Uh, The things I've prepared this morning are things that I feel have changed my heart significantly recently and things that are very valuable. So it's my prayer that as we study these things today, that they're uh, truth and they're from God's word and that uh, as we open our hearts to God's word this morning, that we'd allow it to make a change in us and allow us to become more like Jesus. And that's our our goal today. Um, I'd like for us to start out by thinking about something that you might not associate with Jesus, but I'd like for us to think about $8 billion dollars. $8 billion. Now that's just kind of hard for me to think about. And if you pull out your iPhone and you're going to start dividing it up, don't bother. It doesn't even go into the billions. This is a lot of money, $8 billion. Now how would $8 billion change your life? What could $8 billion do to your life? Now, the first thing I think of is whenever I go to happy hour at Sonic, I'm going to go ahead and go for the Route 44 instead of the large, you know. That's, that's the first step for me. But, but truthfully, $8 billion, that's a lot of money. That could make some big changes. You could go out and you could go buy Boone Pickens Ranch and it'd be like spending a penny for me. Wouldn't be a big deal at all. Would you, uh, you know, would you just quit your job first off? I think a lot of people probably would say, yeah, I think I'm done working. I've got $8 billion. What do I really need to do work for? Would you go travel the world? What would you do with that? Well, the more realistic answer for us, I think, is what would you do? And the, and the question we'd like to look at this morning is, what would you do if you had $8 billion in debt? $8 billion in debt. So... That's even harder for me to understand. First of all, how did I get $8 billion into debt? That's a tough one to do. Uh, there might be someone out there, I don't know. But, uh, but think about the crushing weight that would have on your life. What would you do with your life if you had $8 billion of debt to repay in your life? I think what I would do, what most of us would do is we would feel like just giving up. You know, we might still quit work because what are we going to do for $8 billion? There's a guy over here who said that Uber pays pretty well, but I don't think Uber on top of my normal job is going to pay off $8 billion in my life. It's just not going to do it. It doesn't matter how hard I work. It doesn't matter how much time I spend. I could be one of the most successful people in this world, and it would still be tough for me to pay off $8 billion. Just, it's not something I could do. So I think the first thing I would do if I owed somebody this $8 billion is I would go and I would start to ask for some forgiveness. So I go to this person who I owe $8 billion to, and I say, could you please forgive 99% of my debt for me? You know, you can negotiate bills sometime. You get hurt, you go to the hospital, and it's a, a lot of money. You say, well, I've got cash today. I can give you this much cash today. Will that close my debt? Well, if we forgave 99%, we still owe $80 million. Is that gonna help anybody out in this room? I don't think that's gonna help. Well, go ahead and forgive 99%, doesn't change it. I don't have that kind of cash today. Well, let's go ahead, take it up a notch. How about 99.99% of my debt? If you can forgive 99.99% of my debt, still 800 grand. Does anybody have that cash today? There might be a couple out there, but I'm not one of them. 800 grand is still a debt that I'm not able to pay. That's not something I have cash today. So even if this debtor, uh, as a debtor, if, even if he forgave 99.99%, I still find myself under a weight that I cannot bear. I can't overcome that. That's a hard thing to handle. You know, Jesus talks about somebody who had a weight 
just like $8 billion in Matthew chapter 18. I encourage you to pull out your Bibles this morning. We're going to be reading this parable in Matthew chapter 18 most of the morning. So go ahead and pull your Bible out and turn over to Matthew chapter 18. We'll start reading this parable. In Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 23, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So here we have a situation where there's a king, uh, this master, he has uh, a guy who owes him 10,000 talents. Now, whenever I read this passage before, I didn't really understand how much 10,000 talents was. And I read verse 25 there. I thought, that's a little bit harsh, don't you think? Yeah, he owed him a debt, but throw him and all his family into prison until everything's paid off. That seems kind of intense. But whenever we think about 10,000 talents, this is a lot. So um, I did a lot of math on this stuff. I'm not going to bore you with all that math. If you're a curious person who likes math, you can come talk to me after church, and I'll share all these calculations with you. But basically, 10,000 talents, you can convert that over to denarii, and denarii was what the Romans would consider a day's work of wages. Now, if we divided out 10,000 talents, that would be 273,973 years worth of work. So that's if you work every single day, you never take a day off, you don't get Christmas off in this situation, you work every single day of your life, and you never spend any money, and also you happen to live 273,973 years, then you could pay off this debt. Now that's a lot of time. Now if we look in the Bible, even the oldest guys in the Bible could maybe take off a couple of those last three digits, but even the oldest people recorded in all of time never lived anywhere close to 273,000 years. So say we're on this payment plan, we're going to continue to work our way out of this, let's do this. Well, on August 18th, 278,011, you will have everything paid off. You just got to start today. Now, that's ridiculous. There's no way that's going to happen. This is just so crazy. Now, why would Jesus even come up with this? I think Jesus, you know, kind of had a hyperbole here to make a point, you know, made something pretty outrageous to, to figure out. But this is just something that cannot be overcome. 273,000 years worth of labor this guy owed to the king. That debt is just something that's not going to be paid. And so he threw him and his family, his children, they all were thrown into prison until that debt was paid. As we continue to read in Matthew chapter 18, verse 26, it says, So then the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. So this servant gets down on his knees, he bows before his master, and he says, Please just be patient with me, I'll pay you back everything. Well, here's a lie in the Bible right here. That guy's not going to pay him back everything. It's impossible. It's never going to happen. Let's not forget this is over 200,000 years of work he owes this guy. There's no way he's going to pay it back. But he bows down and says, be patient with me. And I think what he's really saying here is be patient with me. I'm going to do everything I can. Me and my family, we're just going to devote our lives to you. We're going to do everything we can to pay this debt. We're going to do everything we can to make this right. Now, if the king accepted that deal, that'd be a pretty good deal for this guy, right? Because this debt's not going away, and after he dies, it's going to be passed to his children, his children's children, and who knows, back in Bible times, he'd probably still be hanging around today, and there's some guy that's a slave to the household of this king because of this huge debt. 
It's still, still there. It's not going away. So if the king would have just accepted this, this would be a great deal for this guy. However, the king does not accept this offer. The king does not accept the offer for him to just be patient and, and wait for the guy to pay him back. But the king does something even better. As we continue to read in Matthew 18, verse 27, it says, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. This guy that owes the equivalent today of $8 billion, he just said, it's forgiven. Now, was that a happy guy that day? <laughs> That's a great day. He just said, that debt is forgiven. Now, this king, what a powerful king in the first in, in the first place that he has the shoulders big enough to bear that weight for somebody else. You know, and I think even as a king, that amount of money or that amount of wealth and time and power that goes into that was probably still a burden, even for a king, don't you think? That, that'd still be a large burden. But he was willing to take that on because the servant came to him humbly and bowed down to him. The, the Bible says that he had pity on him. So whenever we see that eight, $8 billion, that king just said to him, don't worry, it's paid in full. You're taken care of. The debt is gone. Now, how would you feel to have all of your debt right now just forgiven? You know, that'd be a good feeling. Whatever debts you have, you know, that car payment and the house payment, they just disappear. You know, we'd be a happy day. It, it would be pretty nice. But $8 billion, that's a happy day. So what do you think this guy would do whenever that debt was forgiven? When he knew that he had that full forgiveness, even if 99.99% of it was forgiven, he still couldn't do anything about it. The only thing that helps him is if everything is forgiven. What do you think he does? Well, I would say that he's still serving that guy every day of his life, don't you think? He's still gonna go out there. He's still gonna do his best to pay those things off. Now, I think it's pretty obvious for us as we think about this story that Jesus is telling, we can see how Jesus is foretelling of the love that he shared for us. That's an easy thing for us to see. I think we see where that's going. You know, the love of our King and our Lord, our Master Jesus, shown to us to forgive the debt of sin that we have built up against him is overwhelming. It's something that it doesn't matter how hard we work. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter how hard we try. We know we can't make that sin go away. We have to have it forgiven from our master, Jesus. He has to forgive us of those things. All the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, the humiliation, all those things that we bear on our shoulders because of sin, Jesus has offered to take those things away, just like $8 billion in debt. He's willing to take all those things away if we but humble ourselves to him and say, I'm gonna try my best to serve you. I'm gonna do my best to, to serve you, God. And he made that possible by the sacrifice of, of his life. Jesus made that possible by sacrificing himself and offering his blood. You know, Jesus is the only thing powerful enough to pay that kind of debt back. The blood of a perfect lamb of God, a man who came to this earth, he lived a perfect life, he never made any mistakes, and he innocently went to that cross and died, not just for one of these debts, but for the debts of everybody in the whole world. Now, those are some big shoulders that Jesus had. There's nobody else who could have shouldered that kind of burden, that kind of debt. But we all have this. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The first thing it says here is that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we're out there saying, well, I'm a debt-free person, I don't have any of those kind of debt things, right? 
Well, we're lying to ourselves, it says. It says, if we say we have not sinned, we are lying to ourselves. We all have a debt of sin when it comes to our relationship with God. But what does he say? He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. He says, if we come to him for help, he's willing to make all that go away, to forgive us of all those things, to forgive that debt. But we have to come before God and basically say what that other guy said. Please have patience with me and I'll pay everything. Just please bear with me and I'll, and I'll serve you. In Luke chapter 7, verse 41, we see a really similar story from Jesus. In Luke 4, uh, 7, verse 41, it says, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they, could pay, when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them loved him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, but she loved, uh, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. So this is a really important concept to Jesus. Here, this is another parable talking about this concept of, of debt towards God that Jesus has overcome. Now, there's a reason why this is important to Jesus. And the reason why is because Jesus is the one that's paying all the debt. That's why it's important to him. And he's trying to get us to understand through these stories the magnitude of what Jesus has done for us. He's trying to help us understand that that debt is so large, we can never take care of it of ourselves. There's nothing we can do of ourselves. There's not enough good karma, if you believe in that or anything, to overcome the negative things, the bad things we've done to God, the way we have displeased God with the way we live our lives in sin and commit those sins. But he talks about this woman who comes, and yes, she's full of sin, but she serves Jesus, and she's repentant to him, and she bows down before him and takes care of him, and it says, much was forgiven, for she loved much. I think it's just a normal concept that if a huge debt is forgiven, then there's a lot of love and gratitude that should accompany that. That's an expectation Jesus had. He said, you have judged rightly whenever he said the one who was forgiven more loved more. Now, I'm not talking about um, the amount of love you have towards Jesus because if Jesus forgave you $8 billion or $8 billion and $1, it's just such a huge amount of money. We have so much love and gratitude that's owed to God for the things that he's forgiven us. That's not the, the, the point I'm, uh, we're trying to pull from this, but just to show that Jesus said that our love and our gratitude should be a result from his love towards us. We should repay love with more love, all the love that we can give to God. That's something we should do for him. Jesus is the only one that was able to forgive everything, and he was willing and able to do it for us, and he does it for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It says through his blood we have this forgiveness of our trespasses. Why? Because of the richness of his grace. Because he loved us, he cared about us, and he was willing to bear that debt for us. Jesus has big shoulders. He was able to take that debt on for us. He was willing and he loved us, so he did that. If you haven't had your debt forgiven this morning, the scripture tells us each and every one of us has a debt that needs to be paid. If you haven't had it forgiven, 
You can't carry that shame and that sin around with you your whole life. Are you gonna thrive in your life with that sin on your shoulders, with that debt hanging above you? You just can't do it. And you really can't blame somebody who doesn't have the hope of Jesus for just giving up because they can't overcome those things by themselves. But I hope you understand that Jesus is there. He's willing to take on those things. It doesn't matter how hard we work ourselves, we're not gonna overcome those things without the power of Jesus. We need Jesus. He's the only one powerful enough to do this. We need his mercy and compassion for us and we need his blood that paid the price for our sins. That blood that can stamp away that debt that can pay our debt in full. We need that from him. However, if you've read ahead of this passage and you've read or familiar with this parable of Jesus, you know that that's not really the main point. This is a really beautiful passage to show the power that Jesus has and the willingness he was to wipe away our debts. That's really not the main focus of this passage. So let's continue reading and see what the passage is really talking about here in Matthew chapter 18, verse 28. So flip back over to Matthew 18 and we'll continue reading. In verse 20, it says, but when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I'll pay you. He refused and went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. So here we have this man who was just forgiven $8 billion and he goes up to a guy who owes him and he's just been forgiven of all these things. He thanks the master and he walks on his way. And what's the first thing he does? It says he chases after the guy who owes him about $8,000. Now, you know, before we start throwing stones at this guy, this is pretty relatable too. So if someone owes you $8,000, are you gonna maybe try to stay in touch with that person? <laughs> I think I would. $8,000 is kind of a big deal for me. And I think I would like to know about that. And this guy who has just been forgiven of all that debt, who's just had his slate clean, he's walking out in the world trying to start a new life and he's got empty pockets. And he's probably thinking, you know, if I just had a couple thousand dollars to get things started up, I could get my family livelihood going again. I could get a place for us to stay. We could get things moving again. So he goes and talks to this guy and he says, hey man, I really need that $8,000 you owe me. I've just had all these things forgiven. I really need that money. Can you please give that to me? But unfortunately the guy says, have patience with me and I'll pay you. Now, does that sound familiar? There's somebody just a couple of verses before that may have said those exact same words, be patient with me and I'll pay you all. The difference is this guy's probably honest. He could probably actually pay that amount back. And so whenever he hears that, does he have compassion on him? No, he doesn't. He refused him. He put him in prison until he should pay all the debt. Now that's whenever all the jaws drop and the jaws dropped of all the fellow servants. And they said, you've got to be kidding me. He just he just forgave you $8 billion and you're gonna throw this guy in prison for 8,000 bucks? You gotta be kidding me. There's no way, this is just not right. This is not just. And so they go and they tell the master and they tell the master what was done over 100 denarii. Now compared to 8 billion to 8,000, it's just not even comparable. I just, I just don't even know how you could compare those things. Maybe that's why this guy's head was in the place it was where it was just so separated his debt from this debt but he didn't throw, show him compassion. And then in verse 32, it says, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. Uh-oh, 
we're in trouble now, right? He goes back, he gets called back from this guy who just forgave him $8 billion. And he says, you wicked servant, I forgave you. I had compassion on you because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have done the same thing for your fellow man? Shouldn't you have done the same thing for that other guy? There's nothing wrong with him going up to him and saying, hey, can you pay me the 8,000 bucks you owe me? But the problem is whenever he says, can you bear with me? Can you help me out? And he says, no, that's the problem. The debt was real, but his heart of compassion just was not there. And that's what the master demanded of him. In verse 34, it says, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. The master turned from a compassionate heart that was willing to forgive an insurmountable amount of debt to someone who was angry with him and threw him into jail. And if you read in the King James Version, it says, throw him to the tormentors um, until he should pay all his debt. Now, things are not working out well for him. He's back where he deserved to be. The king is completely justified in doing this action. The, the king is completely in his rights to do this because that man owes him that money. And if he's a debtor, he belongs in jail. He just threw the other guy in jail too, so he belongs there. Now, here's the real kick in the seat for us. In verse 35, it says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now that's a big one right there, right? If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Have you ever had trouble forgiving somebody for something? Have you ever had trouble forgiving somebody for maybe uh, stealing from you? Maybe they did something to hurt your family. Maybe they did something to hurt you and that was a real severe hurt. You ever had trouble forgiving them for that? You know, I think uh, you'd be a unique person if you're sitting in this audience this morning and you've never had trouble forgiving somebody before. You know, I've had a lot of trouble with this. But he says, so my heavenly father will do to every one of you who do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is more than just saying, I forgive you, you're good. And then let's go be bitter for a couple years. This is truly from your heart, thinking about what that person's done to you and forgiving them and releasing that. Forgiving them from the heart. Now Jesus is talking to Peter here. Jesus seems to talk to Peter an awful lot about this. I imagine Peter may have had trouble releasing things and forgiving people from his heart. In Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. So Peter, at the beginning of this whole story, was saying, what's the minimum amount of forgiveness I can get by with? What's the minimum amount of times that I need to forgive somebody before, uh, before I'm justified in just hating them and not liking them forever? And Jesus says, there's not a time. He says, you have to keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. Jesus told this story to Peter and he told him that since God has done so much for you, God has forgiven you this insurmountable amount of debt. God has done all these things for you. You owe it to your brother to forgive him for something that is just so much less than that. It's something that we owe God if nobody else. It's a dishonor to God when we don't forgive our brother for something small when God, for no reason of our own, has looked at us and said, I'm gonna forgive you for that. You know, we owe it to God. It's dishonoring to God when we don't do that. So when we think about that story, where did the debtor end up at the end of that story? He ended up in jail, right? 
He ended up in jail because he was offered that free gift and he made the decision, I'm not gonna have a heart of compassion towards other people and he ended up back in jail. Now, did he, where did he deserve to be? Well, he deserved to be in jail either way. Even if that man forgave him all that debt, he still deserved to be in jail because he was a debtor. Now, I can tell you this morning that I believe I'm going to heaven, but it's not because I deserve to be there. There's no way any of us can deserve to be there. I'm going to heaven because my debt was forgiven by Jesus Christ and he allowed me to come. Jesus has forgiven me and he's given me that gift. Now my debt deserves death, but Jesus decided to give me life. Jesus did that for me. He's done that for you too if you're a child of God. If you've been washed in that blood that washed all those sins away, that wiped that debt clean, you can find yourself in the same situation. But we need to remember where we deserve to be. That debt that we've accumulated and that we were forgiven for, we need to remember that. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. We need to remember that we've been forgiven an insurmountable debt and use that to motivate us to be more like Jesus and more forgiving towards our fellow man. Now, when we think about applications for this, first one is we need to praise and love our master for what he's done for us. We need to praise and love God for all that he's forgiven for us. We think about that $8 billion being swept clean and what would we do for somebody who forgave us of that, of that much debt? Well, that's how we need to treat our master. In Psalm chapter 100, so many of our songs in this book come from Psalm chapter 100, where he says, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter in his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. How many songs can you think of as we just read that through? Did you have a couple go through your head there for a second? I know I did. But we sing these things, but do we really mean it? Whenever we approach God in prayer and whenever we approach God, uh, when we read his words to us, do we think about the amazing debt that he's forgiven us? Do we think about all the ways that he's shown his love towards us and made us a, into a person that has hope and a person that has direction and a, purpose, a person that has love from a person that was hopeless and loveless and hateful? He's transformed us. Do we come to God with praise? So many times when we are struggling with temptation and we find ourselves frustrated with the things happening in life, we go to God and we don't necessarily come singing and dancing like this passage says here. We don't come to him into his courts with praise. We come to him saying, God, what are you doing this to me for? Why am I facing this trial, God? Is that the appropriate way to approach God? Think of all the things he's done for us. We need to approach service to God with the type of joy and love that is from somebody who's been forgiven a great amount and loves the master because of the love that was shown towards to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 57, it says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So are we working in the Lord and we know that we have to sacrifice things for the Lord and it is truly a labor in many ways? When we're doing that, do we forget that it's not in vain? Do we forget that he's already done so much for us we could never pay him back? I know I forget about that whenever I'm trying to labor in the Lord. 
I forget about that. But he says, know that your labor is not in vain, that he is the one that's given us the victory through Jesus Christ. He's given us the victory. That's our motivator. Serving God is an answer to sharing in the victory. If we want to share in the victory, then we need to serve God joyfully as well. In John chapter 14, verse 15, it simply says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus expects us to act like that woman did who was forgiven of her sins, where she was so willing to serve him and bow down and to wash his feet and to do all those things that she was so willing to serve because she was forgiven so much. That's what Jesus expects of us. He says, if we really love him, we're going to keep his commandments. We're gonna be his servants if we truly love him. That's what Jesus had in mind when he was teaching these things. Not only do we need to praise and love the master in response to this great debt that's been forgiven, but we also need to demonstrate compassion to our fellow man. We need to be compassionate towards other people. That's the example that Jesus set before us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Again, there's that strong reminder. We're forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be forgiven, so we need to forgive one another. Just over and over in the scriptures as it show this, this shows that God, in God's eyes, this is something that we should be doing in response to this forgiveness that was given to us. In Luke 17, verse three, it says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, when we talk about hard sayings, I think this is probably a hard saying for me. <laughs> this is really tough. So what is he saying here? First of all, he says, pay attention to yourselves. He's talking to all us finger pointers out there. He says, go ahead and turn that finger and point it right at yourself. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, first of all, it says rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. So we have three steps here, rebuke, repent, and forgive. Now, what does he mean here when he talks about repentance? Here's another hard one here. It says, even if he says, I repent, you must forgive him. So is there a lot of action in that step right there? It says, if he says seven times, I repent. Well, I quit believing him after time number two. But if he says, I repent, I repent, I repent. Sorry about that, 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 I repent. You're already sick of me saying it. Can you imagine someone who actually did something wrong to you and said that over and over? What does he say? He says, you must forgive him. We must forgive him. That's a hard thing to take. But whenever we are having trouble demonstrating that compassion, we remember the cross. We remember all the things we've done, those sinful things we've done that have disappointed God, who have disappointed our creator, who created us in love and had this great vision for our lives. And we just do time after time again, we stray away and do things that disappoint him. We remember that he has forgiven us of those things. Colossians chapter three, verse 12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. There's that, that same message again. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So starting out here, he calls us God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now that's a privilege. He's saying all those people that God chose to forgive, that he wiped their slates clean, he says, I'm talking to you folks. I'm talking to you. And what does he ask us to do? He asks us to have compassionate hearts and bear with one another. He says we need to be forgiving towards one another uh, and amongst other things that we need to do with kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Have you ever had somebody act forgiving towards you, but not with kindness, humility, and meekness? That happens a lot. Have you ever heard the I owe you one kind of deal? Yeah, I forgive you for this, but you owe me one for sure. You owe me a solid, right? Uh, so whenever I'm in a tight spot, I'm going to call on you and you have to be there because you owe me. Have you ever had somebody guilt you into not wanting to be forgiven anymore? That happens sometimes, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to have compassionate, heartfelt forgiveness, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And what does this bring forth in our life? It talks about peace, harmony, wisdom, joy, and being able to worship in spirit. If you have a heart that's not forgiving and if you're not forgiving somebody and you have that burden on your shoulders and you haven't overcome that, I think that this would work exactly in the same way if you reverse that. If your heart is bitter and you have not forgiven somebody, it's gonna be impossible for you to have the peace of Christ dwelling in you. It's gonna be impossible for you to be harmonious with other people, to have the wisdom and joy that comes from having forgiven and having your slate clean and keeping the slates clean all around you to have that joy and wisdom around you. It's gonna be impossible for us to come with thankful hearts to God and come worship here if we have not forgiven our brother that's sitting next to us. It's It's impossible for us to have those joys if our heart is not forgiven those who have wronged us. We need to seek forgiveness and we need to pursue that. And the scripture never makes it more clear than it does in the very prayer of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter six, verse 12, where he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So Jesus, as he's giving the example, uh, as he's showing what a prayer should be for us, he prays this statement. And I want you to really think about this as we read this again. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Can you say that statement in a prayer to God the Father through Jesus Christ? Can you say that to God and mean it? Think about that. Can you say, God, I want you to forgive me for the things I've done, for all the ways that I've wronged you. God, I want you to forgive me just as much as I've forgiven my brother. Can you say that with an honest heart? Can you really ask God to do that? Now, that's a scary thing to do. If you're holding on to a grudge, if you're holding on to bitterness against your brother and you say to God, God, forgive me as I've forgiven my debtors, do you want that to happen to you? Do you want God to become like that servant and to say, you are a wicked servant. How could you not forgive that guy the 8,000 bucks? We're gonna cast you into prison. Do we want to put God in that situation? God is so willing to forgive us, but he demands that we also be willing to forgive others and to share in that heart of compassion. We're never gonna be able to be like Jesus. We're not gonna get closer to being like Jesus until we learn to forgive from our hearts. 
We need to be willing to boldly come before the throne of God and say, God, forgive me my debt as I've forgiven my debtors. That's a big statement. So think about that. As you think about your heart, as you try to pray this to God, try praying that to God and mean it. Remember that your neighbor, your family member, your friend, your coworker, your brother in Christ, he may owe you $8,000 and you may just have to decide to forgive them if they ask for that. You may just have to do it. He might wrong you. He might hurt your family. He might hurt your friends. And if he asks for forgiveness and he asks for it seven times or he asks for it for 77 times, it doesn't matter. We have to forgive him. It's our duty from God. If you want the courage to forgive people for the things they've done against you, remember that you're the person that Jesus forgave that great debt. So as you think about yourselves this morning and you look at your life, do you have a looming debt hanging over your head? Do you have the guilt and the shame that comes with a life of sin? Do you have all the fruits of sin blossoming in your life that doesn't have Jesus in it? You know, this debt is willing to be paid. Jesus is willing to pay this debt. He came to this earth, he lived a perfect life. He went on that cross and he died knowing that we were gonna let him down. And he died on that cross, shed his blood, that we could be washed in that blood, that we could be forgiven, we could have our slate cleaned, and we could live a life dedicated to him. He gave us that option. He gave us the option to pay off that debt. Have you taken that option this morning? Have you obeyed Jesus Christ? Have you come and been washed in that blood and had that debt forgiven? And if you're, if you're sitting there this morning and you haven't forgiven somebody and you know that it's holding you back, if you, ha if you have bitterness growing in your heart, if you have a problem forgiving someone, nothing will give us the courage to do that more than knowing the debt that was paid for us already. Try to have that heart of compassion that Jesus had for us, that the love that God showed to us, have that for your brother. Forgive your brother from the heart. And if you're having problems with that, come ask for prayers. We can pray that your heart would be softened, that you would have that heart of compassion towards your brother, towards the person who owes you big time. Have that heart to turn, forgive them of those things, freeing you and them of that debt. If you find yourself in either case, please come forward as we sing the song of invitation. Whenever we are having trouble demonstrating that compassion, we remember the cross. We remember all the things we've done those sinful things we've done that have disappointed God, who have disappointed our creator, who created us in love and had this great vision for our lives. And we just do time after time again, we stray away and do things that disappoint him. We remember that he has forgiven us of those things. Colossians chapter three, verse 12, it says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. There's that, that same message again. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So starting out here, he calls us God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now that's a privilege. He's saying all those people that God chose to forgive, that he wiped their slates clean, he says, I'm talking to you folks. I'm talking to you. And what does he ask us to do? He asks us to have compassionate hearts 
and bear with one another. He says we need to be forgiving towards one another uh, and amongst other things that we need to do with kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Have you ever had somebody act forgiving towards you but not with kindness, humility, and meekness? That happens a lot. Have you ever heard the I owe you one kind of deal? Yeah, I forgive you for this, but you owe me one for sure. You owe me a solid, right? Uh, so whenever I'm in a tight spot, I'm going to call on you, and you have to be there because you owe me. Have you ever had somebody guilt you into not wanting to be forgiven anymore? That happens sometimes, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to have compassionate, heartfelt forgiveness, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And what does this bring forth in our life? It talks about peace, harmony, wisdom, joy, and being able to worship in spirit. If you have a heart that's not forgiving and if you're not forgiving somebody and you have that burden on your shoulders and you haven't overcome that, I think that this would work exactly in the same way if you reverse that. If your heart is bitter and you have not forgiven somebody, it's gonna be impossible for you to have the peace of Christ dwelling in you. It's gonna be impossible for you to be harmonious with other people, to have the wisdom and joy that comes from having forgiven and having your slate clean and keeping the slates clean all around you to have that joy and wisdom around you. It's gonna be impossible for us to come with thankful hearts to God and come worship here if we have not forgiven our brother that's sitting next to us. It's, imp it's impossible for us to have those joys if our heart is not forgiven those who have wronged us. We need to seek forgiveness and we need to pursue that. And the scripture never makes it more clear than it does in the very prayer of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, where he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So Jesus, as he's giving the example, uh, as he's showing what a prayer should be for us, he prays this statement. And I want you to really think about this as we read this again. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Can you say that statement in a prayer to God the Father through Jesus Christ? Can you say that to God and mean it? Think about that. Can you say, God, I want you to forgive me for the things I've done, for all the ways that I've wronged you. God, I want you to forgive me just as much as I've forgiven my brother. Can you say that with an honest heart? Can you really ask God to do that? Now, that's a scary thing to do. If you're holding on to a grudge, if you're holding on to bitterness against your brother, and you say to God, God, forgive me as I've forgiven my debtors, do you want that to happen to you? Do you want God to become like that servant and to say, you are a wicked servant. How could you not forgive that guy the 8,000 bucks? We're gonna cast you into prison. Do we want to put God in that situation? God is so willing to forgive us, but he demands that we also be willing to forgive others and to share in that heart of compassion. We're never gonna be able to be like Jesus. We're not gonna get closer to being like Jesus until we learn to forgive from our hearts. We need to be willing to boldly come before the throne of God and say, God, forgive me my debt as I've forgiven my debtors. That's a big statement. So think about that. As you think about your heart, as you try to pray this to God, try praying that to God and mean it. Remember that your neighbor, your family member, your friend, your coworker, your brother in Christ, he may owe you $8,000 and you may just have to decide to forgive them if they ask for that. You may just have to do it. 
He might wrong you. He might hurt your family. He might hurt your friends. And if he asks for forgiveness and he asks for it seven times or he asks for it for 77 times, it doesn't matter. We have to forgive him. It's our duty from God. If you want the courage to forgive people for the things they've done against you, remember that you're the person that Jesus forgave that great debt. So as you think about yourselves this morning and you look at your life, do you have a looming debt hanging over your head? Do you have the guilt and the shame that comes with a life of sin? Do you have all the fruits of sin blossoming in your life that doesn't have Jesus in it? You know, this debt is willing to be paid. Jesus is willing to pay this debt. He came to this earth, he lived a perfect life. He went on that cross and he died knowing that we were gonna let him down. And he died on that cross, shed his blood, that we could be washed in that blood, that we could be forgiven, we could have our slate cleaned, and we could live a life dedicated to him. He gave us that option. He gave us the option to pay off that debt. Have you taken that option this morning? Have you obeyed Jesus Christ? Have you come and been washed in that blood and had that debt forgiven? And if you're, if you're sitting there this morning and you haven't forgiven somebody and you know that it's holding you back, if you, ha- if you have bitterness growing in your heart, if you have a problem forgiving someone, nothing will give us the courage to do that more than knowing the debt that was paid for us already. Try to have that heart of compassion that Jesus had for us, that the love that God showed to us, have that for your brother. Forgive your brother from the heart. And if you're having problems with that, come ask for prayers. We can pray that your heart would be softened, that you would have that heart of compassion towards your brother, towards the person who owes you big time. Have that heart to turn, forgive them of those things, freeing you and them of that debt. If you find yourself in either case, please come forward as we sing the song of invitation.